0: welcome 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 sunday weekly warm-up warriors welcome into the exclusive teach better facebook group i am brad hughes elementary principal and chief encouragement officer from ontario canada my co-host ray hewitt cxo of the tremendous teach better team and our panel guests our inaugural panel tonight on the weekly warm-up we have dana kirby dr neil gupta and don harris in the house welcome in everybody we are set for a fantastic panel Getting to know these incredible leaders and educators right where they are. And we're working on working on stakeholder communication tonight. We're hoping that you're leaving with practical takeaways to make sure that whoever you're communicating with, you can do that just a little bit better. Welcome to the weekly warm-up. We'll see you right after the break. <laughs> Welcome into the Sunday Weekly Warm-Up, everybody, streaming exclusively in the Teach Better group on Facebook. And my co-host with the most on the Lake Michigan coast is the incredible Ray Hewer. Good evening, Ray. How are you?
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this panel. We've been talking about it for weeks, and we told all of you that while we're really happy, Weekly Warmup is here on Sundays, We actually only did it so we could facilitate as many panels as possible. (laughs) So Dana, Neil, Dawn, thank you for like kicking off this, like, I feel like it was a life goal, Brad and I were trying to kind of create into action. Thanks
2: for the invite guys.
1: So good. Um, Before we kind of dive into too much, Brad, should we do intros? Like, I feel like these are three people that so many people on our network are gonna know, but maybe some context in case there's a new face. 100%
0: Ray. They either know them or they're going to be eager to get to know them. Let's kick things off with Dana. Welcome in, Dana.
1: Hey guys, how
2: are we doing? Um, I am Dana Kirby. Um, I teach at Evans Junior High School in Bloomington, Illinois. I teach uh, PE and health, uh, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. This year we have about 800, just under 800 students um, at our school. So actually our enrollment's a little bit lower. (laughs) So that's awesome for us. Um, I am looking forward to uh, kind of providing some information with you guys um, on what my role is kind of at our school and and how it can be beneficial for you at your school as well
0: Danny thanks so much how about dr. Neil welcome in
3: yeah good to see everybody uh, my name is Neil Gupta and I get to serve as the director of secondary education in Worthington schools it's a suburb of Columbus Ohio uh, so I receive the middle schools and high schools in the district and um, in my eighth year in this current district, it's phenomenal. i still pinching myself over it. Um, I, do, I have served at, at state and national uh, associations uh, on, on different boards at different times. Right now, I'm not doing any of that. I'm uh, just kind of enjoying my time in my district, and I've uh, and, uh, been doing some consulting on the side, and, and I got a chance to uh, connect with educators in my state and then uh, out of state also, uh, either with presenting or consulting.
0: Welcome, and thank you, Dr. Neal. And Dawn Harris, welcome into the panel. Let us know who you are, where you are, and about the incredible work that you do.
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Dawn Harris from Southwest Ohio. I actually teach in a small district district. Um, Franklin, Ohio at the high school level, uh, educating in the general education setting, uh, English language arts, but I also serve gifted and talented students as well. Um, serve on a number of committees within my district, specifically um, our PBS committee, which I really enjoy working with our educators and our students, just improving the culture at school. And, you know, we're really blessed this year. We, we started the year off strong. It's been so exciting seeing all of the different kinds of activities and um, programs that we're building for our students and just watching them thrive um, in that setting has been exciting. But um, I love writing and presenting. I'm author of Plan Like a Pirate, um, part of the DVC fam. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and I spend a lot of time on social media with friends like you just sharing all sorts of amazing things about my journey through education. And it's wonderful. I enjoy it. So thank you again for having me. So we so, are so
1: Fred, we are so lucky to have all of these people here. Like, we are talking stakeholder communication. We have so many perspectives, so many different roles, so many different elements of insight that we're going to be able to dive into today.
0: Ray, I know that you and I are, like, totally lit up about this opportunity to talk with Dana, Neil, and Dawn tonight. One thing I'd love to know from each of our educators is what lights you up about your current role? What what delights you about uh, going to work each and every day. Can we start off with Dawn? What delights you about your work? Oh,
4: gosh. Um, I think, honestly, just going in and seeing the kids' faces every morning, like just the, the very first period of the day, you know, my kids are always like, oh, Ms. Harris, you are just too much already. It's too early. But, you know, it's in just a few minutes. Everybody's fired up and excited and ready to go. And I think we are just so blessed as educators to be in an environment where we can just have that kind of influence over the young people who are in front of us every day and getting them fired up about learning, you know, it's contagious, like our um, enthusiasm is just something that we should strive to pass on every day. And for me, that's just the thing, just to be around people who love kids as much as I do, and just sharing the joy of that with everyone around me
1: is education the the only field where we are really proud in the morning to be as obnoxious as possible for our students like i used to be in the hallways with data curvy in the morning and i the goal was to be as loud and energetic as early as possible is that not right Dana?
2: that is so true which actually leads me into my my answer to that question is the people that I teach with here at the school are absolutely amazing. And I get spoiled and I get to go to work with my friends every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just kind of brings a, a joy for me. Um, but I think it's also important that the kids see that. Uh, and so, Dawn, like you said, um, it really is about the kids. But at the same time, like, I feel like sometimes they might not see that role model that they might have, or just that interaction. Like we do enjoy being here at work. It's, it's not awful to come to every day. And so I really feel like they feed off that energy and, and, and that fuel. And um, it just is, it it helps bring out the passion, I think for being here and being surrounded by awesome people.
1: Neil, are you having dance parties in the morning at 8am? too? I see Katie Miglin's comment.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So I've got it. I've got to admit like, This year, and again, uh, this is my eighth year in this district. And so, as as a district level leader, um, you know my my office is housed in the central office building. And um, I always make a joke that it's really just, you know, really these days it's a laptop and a a cell phone. As long as I've got those two things in my backpack, I I travel anywhere. But really, connecting with kids—I mean, I'll I'll go to that—has been amazing. Just to be in the hallways and connecting with kids. I mean, I'm talking about like. Being a hero on the first you, you want to be a hero and like first couple of days of school, go help a middle school kid open their locker like you, you want instant gratification of like just this connection and bond for life. It would be right there. Um, and then for as much energy as I think that I bring to the table and, you know, our, our, our team, the new teachers that we've hired um, are game changers. I don't know if it's the gray hair and the no hair that have kind of settled in for me. And I feel like I'm still relevant, and I think I'm dancing, but I'll tell you, these, I don't know, 20-whatever-year-old educators that have come into our district are just phenomenal, and they are just loving on kids and excited, and they're, they're almost like a gang when it comes to hanging out with each other, going to the cafeterias uh, um, to hang out with students, being at their games and cheering them on, and it's, it's just a pride moment for me.
1: Brad, as a principal, I'm sure you're seeing that a lot in your building,
0: a hundred percent. And something I'm reflecting on as I'm hearing Dr. Neal talk about this moment shared between middle schoolers and the principal over a uh, uh, administrator over a, a lock or a locker. It's, it really is those small moments of connection and interaction that over time add up to greater and greater trust, uh, greater and greater affection. That It's those small moments that, you know, cumulative together uh, develop the relationship and the culture within your building. And it those little moments too of, of talking with, and interacting with all of your stakeholders, every member of your school community and eco- ecosystem. You know, all of us as educators have both a responsibility and an opportunity to to grow those relationships, interaction mm-hmm. by interaction, moment by moment. What's coming to mind for you, Ray?
1: You know, it's interesting. I, I agree with everything you've said. I love the 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 thinking through the students, the people, the environment that, that educators create every single day in school. And I think that that really lends itself well as we get into our discussion this afternoon about stakeholder communication, because this energy that fuels us, that, that brings our hallways to life every single day, then needs to be communicated out into our communities, out to our stakeholders, out to our parents, so they really understand the magic of schools. Um, at, where I live, there's a paper that comes out. Uh, every week. And I intentionally don't get it because sometimes it's full of negativity, but somebody handed it to me this week and it was just full of questions about the schools. And that made me so sad. I'm like, we can do better. Let's really paint the picture of our schools. What are some easy communication strategies that we can all just share freely here in this space to fix this? So our newspapers are reporting wonderful things about our schools rather than, being left with questions. So I'm so excited to dive into this and I cannot say enough how appreciative I am that all of you are here.
0: Ray, this is an awesome opportunity for all of us to dig into what it takes to tell our own stories, both as individuals in education, but also on behalf of our schools and our districts. Dr. Joel Sanfilippo and uh, Danny Bauer will say and agree that if we don't tell our stories, someone else will tell them for us. In addition, if we don't share information that our stakeholders need, they may jump to conclusions or fill in missing information with assumptions or worst-case scenarios. So I'm really excited to dig into who needs to know, how do we let them know, and how do we know if it's making a difference?
1: So we're going to get started with our discussion, but Brad, I feel like you and I need to have a moment. You know how much we love these lame commercial and like transitions. This is one we haven't gotten to click. I get to click a new button today.
0: It's the world premiere of our it's of our Sunday weekly warm-up panel.
1: I'm so excited. We'll be right back.
0: (laughs) Wow. Welcome in Warm Up Warriors. Ray, that was a winning commercial. There was the intensity, the urgency. There was the excitement of connecting with incredible guests like Dana Kirby, Dr. Neil Gupta, and Don Harris. And of course, my co host with the most, Ray Hewart. Ray, what is firing you up about the opportunity to talk about stakeholder communication tonight?
1: I think that my only goal today, and I'm seeing it a lot in the comments, people need action steps, things that they can start and do as early as tomorrow morning if they have opportunity. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a classroom teacher listening, maybe you support in some way, you have a coaching role, maybe you're an administrator, I want to try and give it all up. So if you don't mind, like, Neil, can I throw it to you and just ask your perspective? I randomly emailed you and said, hey, we're doing a thing on stakeholder communication. Will you come? I'll figure out the details later. And you said, yes. What were your initial Absolutely. thoughts?
3: Yeah, so, so in our school district, um, I, our superintendent in his first year as a superintendent, and he brought in all the district staff into the, the theater. And, you know, my mind was swimming on what's he going to talk about? Like, you get everybody together. I'll be honest with you. Here's what not to do. And I was in a previous district and they put the test scores on the, on the, uh, big screen. Don't do that. He didn't do that. Um, he gave his expectations as a superintendent and, um, the idea of like clear as kind, I think that was kind of like, let's just say to everybody, this is kind of what is out there. And, um, he had, he had six of them and the first and the sixth are the same. It is be kind to kids. Um, and, uh, he went from there, so just kind of get an idea of of uh, the kind of person and the kind of uh, pitch that it was. But one of them was communicate, 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 and he said, "I'm going to say it three times uh, because I think you need to, to hear it and you need to say it over and over and over again. Our our community, our students, our parents, our staff um, need to hear it, um, and they might need to see it three different ways. And so I think what gets frustrating for us at times is we might say. Well, gosh, we emailed last week about that, and how come they didn't read it? And you know, right, I think we we could all kind of um, be on the offensive and said, well, we sent that in an email. What he was giving us, um, I guess, the challenge is of you know we've got to make sure that we're trying to hit them, uh, whoever it is, where they are, and you might have to do it in three 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 times. And I talked to a group of students once, and I said uh, to them because I teach a class, I said, do you want me to email you the information, put it in a Google Classroom? Or do you want to put it in the Group Me app? And they all said, yes. And I was like, no, no, which one? And, and then I realized I had to do all three of them. And at first I was frustrated about that. And then I thought, you know what? Like if it's about getting the message, because all we're really talking about is copy paste. Really for me, it didn't take that long. And if I really want that information out there, I had to kind of let go of this ego that was in me that says, I'm going to do it my way and you better do it your way and instead do it you know, the way that they want. Um, as an adult for me, I don't need to know the information until I need to know it. So we've got to make sure that we hit them at the right spot for it. Um, so it just kind of gave us that ability, I think, first first and foremost, just to step back and think about, you know, how how and when are we trying to, to I guess, um, approach our our stakeholders and making sure that we do it in a way that's kind. The first reflection, if, if they don't get it, can't be that they didn't do something. It has to be back on us to say, how can we do it better? So I'll kind of pause. I got a lot more to say, but I also want to learn from Dana and Don also.
2: Um, yeah, I think the, a couple of things actually, Neil, that I want to tag on with is um, we have a not a large Hispanic population in our school, but um, our Hispanic population has definitely grown. And that's kind of one thing that we have talked about and kind of made a goal for our P.E. department, actually, is how can we make those communications easier for families um, and, and making sure that we're reaching everyone um, and allowing um you know, parents to feel connected to the school and not disconnected, you know, um, putting our face out there and allowing um, the opportunity, I guess is the big word for them to ask questions um, and feel comfortable asking questions. And uh, like you said, Neil, um, all those communication pieces are great, but when is it occurring? And I think that right there is very key to being effective in what we're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, uh, are, we, are we giving the information ahead of time or are we reacting with that information? Because, you know, we oops, we missed the boat, right? Or, you know, whatever the case was. But I think it's important that uh, communication for sure and, and when is
1: huge for us. I love this connection and add-on between not only not only this challenge of three, which I think is a great reflection, <laughs> then this challenge of the how, the modality in which you present the information. Now we're blending in language as a way to incorporate, making sure that you reach everybody, these are really good checkpoints to not only add into your week this week, but months from now to say, have I shared this three times? Is it in multiple forms? And did I make sure that the language I use reaches the people that are part of the the, the audience that needs to hear this message? John, what are your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, just I'm listening to Dana and Neil, and I, immediately these connections are coming to me. You know, as a classroom teacher. Um, Parent communication and and making those connections with parents is really key. And so I think about timing and technology, right? In real time, when I'm in the classroom, I want parents to know what is going on um, every time something's happening in the classroom. And and the really great thing is we have so much technology that can assist us with that. So, you know, you mentioned, right, things that teachers can do tomorrow. You know, my advice to, to any teacher is make sure when you go in tomorrow, that every parent um, knows that they can access your learning management system, whether you're in Google or Teams, giving parents access to what's going on in the classroom right away, right? So once they sign up for those notifications, especially with the, you know, the high school kiddos, parents sometimes they just assume things are going well and you know the kids are all right, right? <laughs> um, but sometimes they're not and parents need to kind of um, have an awareness of what's happening in the classroom because um, kids aren't always communicating effectively at home. And so for me, um, one of the things that we do in our LMS, we use Google Classroom. So I have a WDIM deck, right? And all my parents and students are aware of that. What did I miss? So every day that Google slide deck is updated. And if a kid's on vacation or they're out sick, it's more than just the update to Google Classroom and the parent gets a notification. But what can they go in and see real time? And it takes me i don't know maybe two or three minutes you know for each of my my sections of teaching to get that one or two slides updated and it gives the kids some additional information on where they need to go is it in google classroom or is it in another platform Um, but really just keeping those um, students and parents aware at every turn of what is going on in the classroom and they love it they appreciate it at some point about two weeks into school kids are missing. What did I miss yesterday, Ms. Harris? And I look at them and they're like, it's in the WDIM, isn't it? Yes, it is. Go there. Parents can go there. The kids can go there. But it's that real time using technology to communicate and connect with both parents and students, giving them access to everything they need in the moment.
2: Dawn, I can, I just want to chime in real quick. I really appreciate appreciate the fact that you're putting that out there for high school kids. Um, I, I think, you know, we want to use the post pandemic, right? Uh, However that looks, right? Um, But I I, I think that you're right. I think kids have relied on technology um, because of that and parents as well. And to think that just because we're older, our executive functioning skills are there. You know what? That's a long reach, I I think. And so uh, I I appreciate the fact that you're putting that out there for high schools as well.
3: So, so one thing to also kind of say, which I appreciate that's embedded in this is in this w d i m is that the student felt comfortable by coming up and asking you what did I miss, and I know that you created a place for it, but if we just kind of put right there like your approachability matters, like art mm-hmm. you know I feel like again if if people aren't asking us questions, then we have to again kind of either say, gosh man, I am really clear i'm I am amazingly clear, <laughs> like oh, I'm the best in the world, but we probably have to probably just realize like or do I feel that I'm, approachable? Like we really have to almost kind of, and probably it's, it's probably that second one of, you know, what I feel like um, if, when I think about my agenda, when I, whenever I have a meeting and I think about the end of the agenda and I go, gosh, if anybody, if nobody asks me questions, then I gotta, I gotta kind of take a little reflection on me, not because I'm awesome. It's the other way around that, that people didn't feel like that they could, could ask a question and, a, and, and not have repercussions of, Oh my gosh, I told you that last week. What are you thinking right there? And I think that that's part of that, that communication piece is people are going to, uh, we've all been there. Sometimes you, you kind of feel like you miss something, but you're afraid to speak up. But you know, if you're in a good trusting relationship and environment, then you know you can say it and there can't be that. So I have to think about my eyes and I have to think about my demeanor and approach and tone when somebody says, hey, I, I think I missed this. You know, a staff member, for example, or a parent, we can't just kind of roll our eyes and, and you know kind of shrug it off because they won't feel that approachable. But again, we have to be patient Point them back
0: to it again and know that that's really what the most important part of it is. You know, when we think about stakeholder communication, we think about whether our roles as uh, school leaders or administrators or teachers we're often the hub for that communication. And it, I've heard it said that the art of that kind of communication is treating the 100th question the same as you treated the first question. I used to think that and I, I still want to demonstrate grace and patience if I'm hearing Repeat questions over and over, but but as you are all saying, if we're hearing that question one, two, and then three times, we have to look back at ourselves and say, what can I do differently to make sure that the information is more clear, that it's reaching more people? And I I say to my stakeholders, your questions prompt me that others are going to be seeking the same information, so I've got to get out in front of communication. And, And one strategy I've been trying that I've been really excited to say is is working for me is is a strategy that I call what else, what else is coming to mind? So if, if we're able to get out to our stakeholders rather than wait for communication and questions to come to us, whether it's in the classroom or the hallways or the yards or the staff lounge or even the grocery store, or the variety store in the neighborhood, if you ask folks what's coming to mind for you about life at our school, what's coming to mind for you about our classroom and, and listen to them and then and then ask them and what else? What else is coming to mind? Because often we're in such a hurry to go from one place to another, but I'm wondering how you are engaging in feedback loops to make sure that your communication is, is having the desired effect or impact. And how are you closing those loops or how are you addressing those blind spots when they come up?
2: Well, I I think one thing that we're kind of addressing at our school, um, is a comprehensive health curriculum. Um, it is, it's a big deal. (laughs) um, And honestly, uh, obviously we've, we've met, um, our district, let's say has met with a little bit of pushback, uh, from some families. And I Mm -hmm. think the biggest thing is potentially the, the lack of knowledge maybe, um, that is, is out there And, and what is it including? And I think, um, some people are a little bit, um, I don't want to use the word misinformed, but just maybe don't have all the information, and so uh, our middle schools are working to try to provide that information. So, um, as you said before, I believe Neil or Brad, I forget. um, You know, when you don't give the information, it's it's going to be created, whether you like it or not, Um, and it's probably not going to be the the complete story, right? There's two sides and three sides to every story. And so I think that that's just definitely one thing that we've really um, tried to focus on is being able to provide that communication early. um, And, and again, be approachable when questions are being asked and validate their, um, their, their want to know what's going on, um, as opposed to, you know, not caring or um, not showing up. And, and so embracing that as opposed to being upset about that.
0: Don, are there ways that you can think of that you're closing feedback loops and making sure that what you intend is actually having desired impact?
4: Um, you know, gosh, I, I would just say, I, what comes to mind for me with this is as both um, building leaders, district leaders, classroom teachers, the amount of information that passes through us each day if we if we thought about it right it can be overwhelming we think about there are notes coming in from parents there are emails coming in from people you know throughout the building there's information coming from district to the building that passes through to the teacher that needs to pass through to students and things that we have to send home to students with students to parents like there are all of these avenues of communication that we have to keep up on and we think about really closing the feedback loop for me what's really important is having places to go to get the right information and i think what our building leadership and teachers have come together to create are different places that we can go to to get answers without how, having to create additional communication, if that makes sense, right? If we can go find an answer somewhere on our own and close something up and wrap it up and be done with it, that's great. Um, trying to eliminate the, the volume of emails that are coming through by having spreadsheets and charts and things that um, allow us to go in and see where are kids during advisory or what kids are in an intervention or what student is you know checked into the office right now, ways that we can go seek out Information that's missing, as opposed to add more into that uh, the traffic that is communication that fills up our day. Because I, I was just talking with someone the other day. Um, I think it was like uh, last Monday or something. I think I had by 1030, like 30 something emails come through. Right. And I remember 10 years ago, that wasn't even a thing. Like, yes, we had email, but you checked it at the end of the day. And like you followed up if you needed to. It was mostly just like information. But now we're responding again in real time via technology. And I think we've become very savvy at managing that while doing the whole classroom teaching and leading the building kind of thing, but it's better if we can just find ways to, to seek out the answers with, that we need without creating more communication and opening up more loops to have to close.
1: <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm so thankful that with these panels, we're going to do kind of a recap of major points. But Don, I just have to shout out the fact that both your answers so far have really been around the concept of creating consistent routines. And I think that that's a really important element of communication. Neil, you brought up the fact that communication is not only verbal, it's also nonverbal. I saw that Liv reinforced that in the comments, but routine is such an important component and something that was the only way I found some peace with with communication because I think communication can be excessively overwhelming. There's never enough of it. So if you incorporate a routine, whether it be by having the go to clear spots or or having communication daily with your routine of the slides like that allows you as the teacher to be more successful because it's a part of something that you're expecting. And it also allows the people consuming the information to have that routine and predictability, which which we do know is what's good for kids.
3: So Brad, I want to I want to jump in because you know and piggyback off of what Don was talking about. You know, I, I remember that question being posed as far as what's the you know best communication tactic, strategy, whatever, and and they kept I was I was part of a Twitter chat and everybody was giving their their app ideas right they're you know use this app use group me use this and finally somebody said like f2f and then somebody was like oh that's amazing f2f so i'm like looking for like the app i'm like what what's f2f and face to face and i you know and but and it, it's so funny because i think that we are kind of searching for like that's the silver bullet and we're kind of looking for the one that's the most efficient and the most whatever. And then I had to kind of like be brought back to kind of reality of like nothing gives up, you know, the face to face. And so I think the anchor for us is, you know, you've got to build in um, the structures that Don talked about and, and make it formal, and it, but also informal. Like we call them like key communicator groups and we've got external key communicators that are um, a group of parents that might be in um, might be might be staff members we call internal key communicators that we meet with weekly or sorry, monthly. And then we have student groups. And I'd love to say that uh, it's it's it can't be your student council group because that's not the cross section. So I'd, we, we have to somehow remake the, the breakfast club movie so people will understand. Like we want that cross section of students. Um, but I'll tell you what. And, and our, our superintendent, again, I'm, I'm bragging about him. Like, he, you know, he says, like, you guys can all district leaders come into the meeting. But you're not there to defend because i'll listen to students say things like well how come the district doesn't and then it's things that i've actually communicated myself personally and i'm starting to kind of you know i want to defend and i want to i want to defend and i have to remember like okay it just wasn't clear so what can you learn and what can you glean and and become that like you know um person that kind of minds for the data and so when i go into the to the lunch you know i've turned into talking to students and, and telling them things and asking them about whatever, but also saying things that like, you know, that I'm kind of over personally overseeing and asking them for feedback. Like, Hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about, what do you think about that? And I'm always constantly looking for some things that are going to help me out.
0: You know, Ray, when I think about stakeholder communication and maybe our listeners and viewers and other educators, we, we often think about people outside our organization, whether they're parents and caregivers, uh, maybe they are people we report to or they report to us, but, what I am just loving about a discussion with Don, Dana and Neil tonight is that each of us is centering students as the key stakeholders in any communication. Let's face it, when we're teaching, when we're interacting with kids, what, what better stakeholder communication can we create than developing those relationships where kids know that we're approachable and that they matter to us? And in turn, we will matter to them. I mean, who is going to speak on our behalf as far as what's going in on our classrooms and hallways and libraries and campuses better than the kids that we serve? So I'm just so heartened to hear that stakeholder communication doesn't have to be home and school or home and district office or, or staff to staff. It's, it's about centering communication, positive communication, loving communication with the students we serve every day. I, I just love that.
1: I wonder if that would be an interesting um, activity to either do with the full staff or with your department or or however you you choose to kind of be a leader within a group and say, I wonder if you can remind uh, the people around you, your colleagues, who those stakeholders are. Really reinforce the fact that it's not just parents, it's not just community members, but staff to staff is included, leadership to staff is included, staff to students are included. Because to be honest, that. There's been so many discussions so far tonight that I was like, oh, we've been talking about stakeholder communication for weeks. And I haven't thought of that perspective at all. And I think it's such a wonderful opportunity that we have here on Sunday Weekly Warm Up. It's not about having all the answers, but is there some lens or some element of perspective that we can wear proudly tomorrow to say, yeah, I was already ready for the week because I'm an awesome educator. But with this little tidbit of an hour-long discussion, now I feel like I have gained new perspective to be even more successful headed into my week.
2: I think one thing that I've kind of taken from this conversation actually already is, like you were just saying, Ray, the staff-to-staff communication. And, you know, I get the luxury of servicing all 800 students in my school, right? And so here I have this opportunity um, to reach everyone. We have a, 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 I don't want to say a large turnover, but, you know, since COVID has occurred, we're, we're in this rebuilding kind of phase or, you know, restart kind of phase, right? And so we have a lot of new teachers that have never seen maybe how my department specifically works. Um, teachers are the worst about bragging about what they do. Um, we, it's, it's, we, you know, you get inside your room and you do amazing things and then that's it. We don't want to, you know, you don't want to talk in the hallway about what awesome just happened. Right. And so we, it, you know, you, you got to make sure that you push in yourself. And I guess this would be my take from here, push, push yourself a little bit and, and try to let, allow the other people in your school just to know what you're doing. Um, and allow them to, you know, kind of be a part of that, allow them to be able to help celebrate what you're doing. And again, as I say, I I get the pleasure and luxury of being able to teach and communicate with all the students in the school every single day. So we had a, 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 you know, a team specifically, we have two sixth grade, two seventh grade, two eighth grade teams, and we had a team specifically that was kind of struggling with their team that week. And I said, come on down, let's talk. Let's have them all together and we'll we'll be here and and allow that communication to occur um, not just in your classroom and on your team and your pod but you know including us in that as well because obviously our uh, department is has such a social aspect of it so you know um, providing those opportunities um, to reflect and celebrate and allow people to uh, you know be a part of what you're doing also is a great way to allow that staff to allow that communication to continue
4: And I I agree completely, and I think something we need to also include in those conversations uh, with our peers about all the great things that are going on is how we're empowering students to self-advocate. You know, self-advocacy is huge. When we start talking about how to teach kids to advocate for themselves and for others, and we talk about communication you think about all of the things that kids need in a day from us from each other you know from building leaders from their parents um when we can teach them right how to um problem solve and seek answers on their own to you know we are going to teach them to be excellent questioners but also you know neil it goes back to what you said about being approachable earlier we're always going to be approachable for them and they're always going to know that Um, they can come to us with questions and seeking answers and whatnot but what if we um, figured out ways to help them go and get their own answers and to take that communication um you know on a different path where they're communicating with one another about their needs um, and sorting through those together uh, is so empowering for them and i think those conversations that you're talking about dana um, that we're having with our peers if we share those kinds of experience hey listen what this kid did in class like he was helping this other student you know with a problem with something from math or I heard a student ask about um, our conversation class the other day was honors diploma. And someone was like, go to the student handbook in the Google Drive. It's on page 32 or whatever. Like, and I didn't have to answer that question. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, this is awesome. Um, and so just to, and even communicating that if they didn't know where it was, Ms. Harris, can you get this is exactly what I need um, that advocacy piece is so important. And I had someone just yesterday actually asked me, like, if you're going to describe, I think this is a great question for us all to reflect on, if you're going to describe for a sixth grader um, in 20 words or less what advocacy is, what is that? What does that look like? And that was just a great bit of reflection for me because that puts it in the simplest terms for us, right? We can talk about that as educators together and say, okay, this is what I think it looks like and come up with that, just that common definition of advocacy for our kids and use that throughout the whole building. And so I think it is important for us to talk, to empower our kids, to be self-advocates so that that communication that is extra really isn't there. Again, those routines, Ray.
1: Love it. Brad, I know we, I feel like this this discussion has flown. I don't want it to be over, but we do have one extra section we wanted to add specific to our panel day. We really get into the nitty gritty of those action steps. So we'll kind of transition here and come back to each one of you and say, yes, I know you've shared a lot. Yes, we've shared our reflection even on what's been shared. But is there a challenge that we can give to our community that they can do as soon as tomorrow, especially this week, to kind of reevaluate and refresh their communication from any lens you choose. And then hopefully our our viewers here and our Teach Better family can either choose one or, or maybe all of them to kind of take action and be a little bit better in communication. Brad, what do you think?
0: Ray, I love a good challenge. I love setting up our uh, warm-up warriors for practical strategies that they can take away as they turn the corner on the weekend and as they look ahead to a great week ahead.
1: So good. We'll be right back for this little quick recap and those really important action steps to all hold ourselves accountable.
0: You are with the Teach Better Sunday weekly warm up streaming exclusively with the one the only Teachbetter group.com on Facebook. It's Brad Hughes and Ray Hewitt from the Teach Better team with our guests Dana Kirby, Dr. Neil Gupta, and Don Harris, and we are wrapping up a fantastic conversation on stakeholder communication. As we were coming to the end of our previous segment, I was reflecting on the fundamental nature of communication and how it's changed from transmissive, where we would send home a newsletter or uh, um, and like a single email or something we put on the lawn sign to. Interactive, And that's reflected in all of the ways that we communicate as educators through social media and through other ways of interacting. And I think that also represents a fundamental shift in how we come to understand education from transmissive, the sage on the stage and the kids or vessels to be filled with our knowledge to to interactive and all of our guests. And I think back to Dana t- talking about, you know, the approachability, the interactivity. Do, do we want to transmissive a, a, a community of transmission of information or do we want to grow a community of interaction where every stakeholder has a role to play in making things better and better. This is our opportunity for our guests to let us know what they think we should be thinking about, a challenge that we can take on as we look ahead to the week ahead, Ray. What's coming to mind for you in terms of that challenge?
1: I'm excited for these challenges, to be honest. I think this is a perfect spot to either reiterate a challenge that was shared previously to really ensure that it sticks in our community's minds, or a challenge that we may not have gotten to, to just add another layer. But there are so many to choose from, from this dialogue. So I'm I'm actually nervous that we'll miss some. You guys have to go back. If you're popping in now and you missed the conversation, make sure to go back and listen to the whole thing.
0: <laughs> well, the interactivity allows us to uh, keep in touch with our guests tonight, Ray, or with either of us. If ideas come up or challenges come up or setbacks come up, how can we work through them together? Maybe I'll shift things over to Dr. Neil Gupta for... Uh, for your goodness. What's your takeaway and what's your challenge for our uh, listeners tonight?
3: Yeah, my take, my takeaway is, um, I think Don, Don kind of, you know, kind of put the light bulb on for me about just the idea of just that, um, the consistency piece that we have to be thinking about and making sure, and it, it, you know, you put words around this idea about the, what did I miss that that I really liked, you know, just having that section that's in there and having it consistently in, in that one spot. Um, You know, I I think I think for me that the sharing part is and I can tell you where I got burnt, where I get burnt is um, I I communicate early and I don't realize the magnitude of this thing that we're about to communicate needs to live outside of that one email. Um, And and it's not fair for people have to go back and hunt and find it, you know, Um, and then and then it becomes also this thing where whatever information is, and I'll give you an example in a second. it it seems to sometimes snowball. I don't realize it at the time, but then it snowballs. And then, so how do you, and then you kind of go back and you feel like you're piecemealing this thing as you go along. Um, I think the learning that I'm having, and it's, it's uh, one of my, my counterpart that I work with, uh, uh, his name's Rob Messenheimer. And he's got this brain that when we sit down together, he constantly is thinking about the future, about, you know, if it's, if it's for this Friday's, uh, you know, uh, home room or something like that, that's one thing. But, kind of Dana talked about, you know, the health curriculum sort of thing, or I'm thinking about graduation requirements of this this complex thing, this beast, this animal. And there was a 75-page State Department document that we, we had to kind of look at to understand it best. And I remember, like, I brought in our principals and our counselors, and we developed a graph. I, I told them to draw a visual graphic representation of what does this 75-page thing encapsulate. And so they got, you know, markers and paper, and they they made some cool posters. And I was patting myself on the back. We had a great day that day and and I went home and had a good night's sleep. And the next morning, one of the principals took that and actually like went back into Canva and created this graphic with the, I made them, made them icons. And then um, we started having this, this thought of like, well, gosh, now it's on one sheet of paper, 75 pages is on one shot sheet of paper with these icons. And we said, wouldn't it be great if we, you could click on it, each icon, and you could open up more information when you need it like I don't need all 75 pages right away but if I want to know more about it that when I need to know about it then I'll be able to go to it well so then it kind of like luckily we just kept playing in the same document and then a, a year later somebody said well okay so that's the information about the state requirements but what's Worthington's how, how is it gonna happen and look like in Worthington so we just added information in that icon and it became a one-stop shop and I What I'm most proud of is, and it's our counselors and everybody else that's, you know, will kind of um, keep me on my toes and say, um, if they have a question and I I answer their question, they're like, are you going to put that in the document? Are you going to put in the document so that we keep this living and breathing document that stays outside of Neil's head or on Neil's computer and it's shared with families, but in this clear, crisp way? And I think that, again, we got to keep thinking about that end user and we can't just say, well, I emailed that last week. And and, and so I I would say a couple of things, visuals, representations, I think are important and things that kind of you know sit in a public place for everybody to have access to are going to be important. I love that. I, I, you,
4: can I jump in? Because that was really awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm sitting here listening to all this just amazing stuff. And I think what we're all really talking about in the stakeholder communication is breaking barriers to learning, right? Because that's what we're in, the learning business. And it's like whatever way um, whatever method that we can use to kind of get the information across to whoever needs it is what's really important. It's like whatever it takes mentality, right? That's what it is in education. And, um, you know, I love that, you know, you mentioned the one-stop one, one stop shop idea, Neil, and then this idea of approachability. And Dana, you talk about, you know, timing and getting out in front, but also working in real time simultaneously. And there's just so much um, to kind of convey, and I think for me, it's just making sure that I have access to everything that I need to, and everyone that I need to have access to to be an effective communicator, right? Where's my one-stop shop for each of these things and who do I need to communicate with directly um, to get the information across? And so what I would say for classroom teachers, first and foremost, because you know what, we're right there with students You know, from the second that we set foot in the door, Go in tomorrow, whatever your data management system is or your grade book, go to your classroom, find your students, um, parents, email addresses, click send emails to all those and say, here's our classroom code and send that out. Get those folks in your classroom, basically in your learning environment. So everyone knows parent stakeholders included what was missed (laughs) It's there.
2: I think my uh, my my challenge and my takeaway is, uh, you know, be a good listener. And uh, you know, we're coming off the end of a weekend, and you know, we don't we would love to say we've walked in students' shoes over the weekend, and and you know what we've been through this weekend and what they've been through this weekend are could be drastically different things, right? And you know, we uh, we we definitely need to move forward, but we and we have, but we can't be content first driven, you know, um, unfortunately. So. We got to make sure that our kids are, are there um, not just physically uh, but mentally as well so if it's that extra you know time to uh, you know as i stated before listen to a coworker in the morning um and 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 be that person that listening ear for them and maybe you change their day um but uh you know be that smile just say hi to kids in the hallway Um, I think that that creates that, Neil, as you talked about earlier, creating that welcoming feeling and that ability for kids to feel comfortable to come ask um, for something. Um, And and Dawn, again, you said, be that consistent place uh, where information can be. You know, Um, I always try to make sure I'm out in the hallways in the mornings and, specifically before school in between classes yes but uh specifically before school because you can kind of really get that pulse of what's happened over the weekend and and what's happening um if even if it's means showing your face during lunch for two or three minutes um but i think that's my challenge is make sure you be able to work outside of your classroom um put your face out there and and allow kids to see you for for you um on your good days and bad days but allow kids to see you for you for sure
0: all right, well, me, Ray, talk about a one-stop which, shop for Brad, reflection, Brad, interaction. I'm incredible. jumping in. Go ahead. I got to
3: jump in on something because Dana, do. like you used it. I know it's like time, but like you used the, the idea of listener. And I think we did miss that. And I don't want to um, let that go because you just caught this vivid story, I think, you know, is appropriate. I remember I was walking into my assistant superintendent's office and I had this draft paper I was working on. And I remember I wanted her to read it and give me some reflection and some feedback. And so I walked in, I'm walking like five, six steps away from her desk. And I said, will you proofread this for me and give me some feedback? And she, as I'm walking towards her um, and I'd spent like three hours on it and, and uh, I was like five steps away and she said, who's this going to? And I said, the principals." And she goes, okay. She grabs the piece of paper and closes her eyes. Like, I'm like, what is she doing? I thought she was going to read it. She's, and she's like, okay, it's a week before Thanksgiving break. I'm trying to just get through this, you know, certain week. I've got, I just had parent teacher conferences. This is happening. This is like, she was transforming into the the reader of what what is going on. And then she starts opening up her eyes and I snatched it out of her hand. And I said, nope, this can wait until after Thanksgiving break. And, you know, and, and she was shocked by it. I said, you really helped me out right there. Like timing's important. Listening's important. Empathy is important of where our people are. And and I think you just, you gave me that story as you were kind of sharing, and I appreciate that.
0: Ray Hewitt, what's coming to mind for you as we wrap up this incredible panel discussion on stakeholder communication? Do you have a challenge or do you have a moment of reflection to share?
1: You know, I think there's been so many challenges. My challenge would be to go back and re-listen to this and write down all the challenges because there really have been some actionable steps that we can take. And I don't want to make sure those go Overlooked, but I I will say, Brad, this is exactly what we wanted. We wanted multiple perspectives coming together to talk shop in a in an approachable, safe space where our community can be better from this conversation. So I I'm just so appreciative that that to be honest, while I so appreciate you all being here, which I've said nine times, I'm very very appreciative that Brad is the one who was really an advocate for making these panels happen. And I'm so happy and proud that our team has made that a priority this year. So thank you, Brad. I so appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you all. And and together we're better. And uh, I've had the privilege of both participating in and moderating a number of panels and just the energy and the grace and the goodwill and the, and the great thinking and the great practical strategies that people bring into the space is truly inspiring. And, this is why we're here is to get better and better together, to learn from one another and also to act as critical friends for one another when uh, when times are tough. So this has been wonderful to welcome Don, Dana, and Neil into the space. We wish you a fantastic week ahead. And and we have uh, successfully getting our, our warm-up warriors ready for the week of wonderful communication and uh, helping to to remedy the Sunday scaries with some practical advice, Ray.
1: I love it. Friends, do not forget in our Teach Better community, the Teach Better Conference is coming up here in literally just a few weeks. I'm going to try and not like vomit as I say that. We're ready. We're ready. Um, But if you haven't registered, we are like just at that cusp where I'd hate for you to miss out, but tickets are selling quick. So please make sure you do that. A lot of the conversation, not only here on the screen, but in the comments, I had people that are going to be all together to speak at this event and network at this event. So if you are not only eager to be a part of our Teach Better community at the event, you'll also be able to learn from these incredible minds. And do not forget, after we wrap this all up, you will be able to share this conversation on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn on Monday night, and also follow these incredible educators on social media. So there is more to come. Thank you to everybody again for joining us. And we'll be back next week for our Sunday weekly warm up. Bye, guys. I'm